Welcome to Benefits. What, like it's hard? When was the last time you stopped to think about every benefit that was available to you and what information is needed in order to fully utilize those benefits? For most of us, the answer is probably never. Well, we are here to break down the truths and misconceptions of all things benefits and share stories from people like you. Join us on our journey to navigating your complete picture of physical and financial wellness. Today we are going to be tackling the next wellness topic with Raquel. Um, we're really excited for this one, so Raquel, take it away. So we are here with Sherry Warshaw, and she is going to tell us a little bit about her background. She has a very unique background in that she comes to us with uh, experience and expertise in the area of tobacco cessation and dental hygiene. So Sherry, thank you so much for being a part of our podcast today. We look forward to the conversation today, specifically around tobacco and e-cigarettes and vaping and all of that, which I know that's a very hot topic at this day and age. Uh, before we get started, we'd love for you to just do a quick introduction and tell our listeners a little bit more about you. So I began my career in dentistry almost half a century ago. I'm little embarrassed to admit that, but um, it gives me great credibility in that I have worked with smokers all my life, um, both professionally and personally. I grew up in a smoking household um, with extended relatives smoking, uh, which is why I do this. I've lost all of them to smoking-related diseases. Um, but my profession is dental hygiene, and I practice that clinically in a periodontal world, uh, which is gum disease, which is, of course, implicated in smoking. And once I left clinical hygiene, I looked for a way to morph my skills. And I discovered that there was this new field of certified tobacco treatment specialists. And I applied to the Mayo Clinic, was accepted, uh, went there for my training, and then uh, about five years ago opened up my own company called Smoke Free Steps. And the reason being, I wanted to provide kind of a unique, customized way for people to stop whatever nicotine they were using. But because people are more well-educated and know all the pitfalls, but they're still using it, I feel like you have to personalize it to each person. Why are they in particular using these products? Right. No, that, that makes so much sense because... I think where we are in terms of uh, tobacco use and nicotine use is wanting to understand from our conversation today really how that addiction takes hold of, of a person uh, because oftentimes it could be just someone's just trying it casually. Um, again, we're going to talk about the e-cigarettes, e-cigarettes and how it's kind of this new um, fad especially in, in, in the millennial generations, we're seeing a lot of youth using it. But just like you said, somebody could try nicotine for the first time, become addicted, and then even though they have the education that's out there at our fingertips, we know tobacco is, is dangerous and harmful, yet we still have millions of addicted users. So let's walk through, I think it would be helpful for the audience to hear a little bit of the background, take us back into... Um, really when we first learned about the dangers of tobacco and 
the transition from tobacco use to where we are today, which was is an epidemic around e-cigarettes? So even though tobacco has been around for literally thousands of years, and was even a form of trade for a very long time. It wasn't until 1964 when the Surgeon General Luther Terry came out with this seminal report where they linked lung cancer to tobacco use. Up until that time, you were still seeing commercials where doctors were promoting camel cigarettes, saying this is the cigarette that I smoke. In 1964, that all changed. Um, That said, we still see more deaths from cigarette smoking than the combination of AIDS, alcohol, cocaine, heroin, homicide, suicide, motor vehicle crashes, and fires combined. The combination of that, we see more people dying from cigarettes. So currently there's between 37 and 42 million smokers. And we know that it's the leading preventable cause of death in America. So it's costing us about $289 billion a year. And that's seen in productivity loss, in health costs, advertising costs, all, all kinds of venues. But basically, that's what it adds up to. You know, it's interesting. I was listening to a presentation from the American Heart Association, and I've heard this saying before but I think it's appropriate now while we're talking about this topic, is tobacco is one of those products, as we look at directions on how to use a product appropriately, if used as prescribed or as as intended, it will kill you. I mean, and that really stuck with me because I'm thinking, wow, if you use this as it's prescribed, it will ultimately cause death and disability in some form or fashion. Well, the odd thing about tobacco is, is, um, and this is, this is from the head of the Mayo Nicotine Dependence Center. This is what he says about tobacco. It is the perfect drug. It is the only drug known to man that will hit your brain within 7 to 10 seconds. There is nothing that hits as fast as nicotine. And the second thing about it is, is that it's the perfect drug because people use it both to increase their productivity, but then they use it to relax. So there's nothing else that we know where someone wakes up in the morning and they say, oh, I need to get started. I better have a cigarette. And then at the end of the day, they'll say, oh, I need to calm down. I'll have a cigarette. So even according to the Mayo Clinic, it's the perfect drug. Yeah, no, I think that um, as I think about um, my friends and relatives, I don't have as many smokers anymore in my family, and I feel like it's come a long way in terms of now people almost look down upon smoking. I think the social norms is um, that's unhealthy, it smells, you know, it's, it's definitely looked down upon, I think, through education awareness and a lot of the Truth campaigns, I know that was big in the 90s, um, really promoting heavily um, and also trying to target youth to not use tobacco or to quit using tobacco. Um, So can you share with us, as we're talking about this transition to where we are today with the e-cigarettes and the explosion that we're seeing now um, with the various um, nicotine um, 
devices, whether it be, I mean, they're so interchangeable. There's the jewel, there's the, the vaping, there's a, I'd like to get a sense from you on where you think this all started and what you think present day is our biggest challenge with nicotine and tobacco use. So we know that there's about, there's over 3,000 kids a day under 18 who try their first cigarette. And of those kids, about 700 will become smokers. Now again, where are they? Well, you have to look at the demographics. So once you start getting into demographics, you'll see that as the income goes down, the smoking goes up. So that's kind of a scary thing. The second thing is, is that nicotine is uh, the most addictive chemical known to man, even more addictive than heroin, and not a lot of people know that. You can actually quit heroin easier uh, in terms of locking yourself in a room with a person and they will guide you through it, and in a week you'll be fine. Well, in a week, when you try and quit nicotine, you're still really in the throes of it because the way nicotine works is it works on receptors in the brain. And the more you smoke, the more receptors your brain makes so that then the craving becomes greater and greater. And the young brain, a brain under 25 years old, is going to addict sometimes in a day, but definitely within a week because there are so many synapses forming. We also know that the young brain isn't fully developed until they're 25 years old. So 99% of people become addicted to nicotine before age 25 or 6. It's very rare. Occasionally I'll get a client who says, I never smoked and I was 30 and went on a girl's trip and everybody smoked and I started smoking. But that's very, very rare. So the smoking world, the world in terms of advertising, has always advertised to the cool effect, the youth effect. Um, they've always used areas that, of course, tobacco can't advertise on television, but right now e-cigarettes can advertise on television. But they've still always been advertising in youth magazines, things that are pop culture. So all of that advertising and looking cool kind of still keeps it in the forefront for young brains. Then we add the e-cigarette. And the e-cigarette is what I refer to as the Wild West of smoking. It's where smoking was in 1930. Because this is an unregulated group of products that are hitting the market. That is fascinating, and I completely agree. As you're talking, I'm thinking about all the smokers that I know, and for our listeners, if you think about any smoker that you know, whether they're smoking cigarettes, cigars, e-cigarettes, nine times out of ten, they probably started before they were 18. It's and very that, common. Yeah, it's very, very common. I'm very common. I'm thinking about a handful of people that I can know, and yeah, I think that's interesting. And so it makes sense, and I appreciate your explanation of how the brain develops and why, if you're trying to attract um, new users, and again, people are dying every day because of this, how do you keep funneling more people into using tobacco? It's attracting the youth, and the fact that it is unregulated, there's a lot of loopholes then that exactly. they can advertise and they can 
um, target through different flavors and things like that to younger audiences. There's also a lot more products now. So back in the day, I began smoking when I was 15 years old. Why? My mother smoked when she was pregnant with me. She hardwired me in the womb to be a smoker. And then being around second and third hand smoke all my life, of course, I had more nicotine receptors in my brain than someone who perhaps hadn't been exposed to that. Um, And then I stopped smoking when I was 22 years old. So I had a short span, but it still gives me an understanding of the smoker because I've been there. Um, But back at that time, it was cigarettes. Today, you have beadies, you have hookah, you have snooze, you have dissolvables, you have cigars, cigarillos, and electronic cigarettes. So a lot of these products are seen within the youth world. For instance, hookah. Hookah is very common. There's, there's hundreds of hookahs, uh, parlors, around college campuses. An hour of hookah is equal to 100 cigarettes. That can cause um, acute damage to your, to your lungs. And even if you're not partaking in the hookah, just being there with all that secondhand smoke still can cause an acute reaction, particularly if you're an asthmatic. Um, it can really kick up a problem. I think hookah, because I remember college days, the thing about hookah lounges is you're under 21, so you can go to the bars, but you only have to be 18 to go to a hookah lounge. And then you think about also uh, the actual devices that the hookah pots are in. Those are coming over from foreign countries. They're not regulated. Exactly. They can have... um, Neither is the tobacco that they're using or the charcoals that they're using. Exactly. So one of the things I would like to uh, really focus in on, because I think we get a lot of questions, um, a lot of younger audiences are have tried an e-cigarette or have been asked numerous times to try it. We have listeners who have children who are going to school and they're being exposed to the e-cigarette devices. So can you help us demystify, um, you know, some of the common things I hear is it's not as um, dangerous for you. Um, It helps me get off cigarettes or it can be a step down approach. Um, Can you help answer some of those common questions or misconceptions you hear around the e-cigarettes? So let's let's look at it from two ways. Okay, first of all, let's look at it from youth, and then we'll work our way up to adults. Okay. So when we look at youth, we know that, first of all, because this is an unregulated type of business, and it really should be regulated, the FDA has pushed the uh, regulation dates further and further forward. So now they have until 2022 to have these products out. Um, And then they'll start regulating them. And that's due to all kinds of lobbying and things that go on in Washington, D.C. But I I will say that in terms of youth, some of the things that are harmful, first of all, we don't know how much nicotine is in these products. So that's the first problem. Because it's unregulated, um, sometimes they've even done studies on products that were claiming to be nicotine-free and found lots of nicotine in them. So there's also how truthful is what you're using. And we know that a lot of the more popular things, like Juul, we know that a pod of Juul is equal to a pack of cigarettes as far as how much nicotine is in it. Wow. I need to pause there for a second. So one of those pods. And how... How, How long would it take a pod? Would that just be 
because I'm trying to have a So that's so variable from okay. person from personal use. But if you were using a a, a cigarette, a pack of cigarette kind of gauge, mm -hmm. you shouldn't be using more than a pot a day. Right. Even that's too much. But how do we know how many pods a, a child is using? What if they're using five and they're getting 100 milligrams of nicotine? They could get nicotine poisoning. So that's part of the problem. A cigarette is self-limiting. We know it, how long it takes to burn. We see it burning down. Sometimes we finish it. Sometimes we don't. But it, there's a visual. The beauty to the pod maker is it's very nebulous. That's a really good point. You're right, because there's no, literally, there's no, no end, end point. point. Yeah. Exactly. So here's some of the things we know about youth and nicotine via e or traditional cigarette we know that it affects impulse control we know that it affects learning we know that it affects attention all of those because the synapses in the brain are working very differently in a young brain so you're altering those synapses and maybe you're actually increasing if someone let's say has ADD or ADHD you might be increasing that problem because you're messing with the synapses because you're putting a drug into the brain mm -hmm. as I said earlier you make more nicotine receptors the more nicotine your body takes in the second thing that happens is nicotine works on blood pressure and it works on glucose control so really do we want our kids increasing their blood pressure and increasing their glucose? We already have a, an epidemic of overweight children who are showing up with adult onset diabetes. And we've known for a long time that these products also mess with glucose control. So just from a purely physical what's going on, then let's look at the product itself. Okay, what's What's in an e-cigarette? Mm -hmm. It's not water vapor, like everybody thinks. Right. The vapor is a, either one of two things. It's either caused from propylene glycol, which is in the, in the actual e-cigarette, or vegetable glycerin. So those are the two products that make the vaping, okay, what looks like the cloud of smoke. Mm -hmm. And... If you want to know what propylene glycol is, if you've ever been to a rock concert and you see the fog machine going, mm -hmm. that's propylene glycol. You can buy it by the gallon at Party City. Interesting. And that's what's in an e-cigarette, particularly the ones that people fill themselves. Okay. Okay. And then we also have flavorants, which certain flavorants are really toxic to the body. Um, certain things we should not be taking in. Um, but the flavorings are really where the youth are getting hooked on this. Because I don't know many adults who are going to be intrigued by candy floss or um, bubble gum or grape jelly. And, I mean, there are literally thousands of flavors. So the flavorants are what's really attracting the youth, but they also could be what's causing problems down the road. Because we just don't know. We don't know what's right. in these flavorings. Right. It's too soon to tell them because it's not being regulated. It's not regulated and, and it's... no clear guidelines. There's no guidelines of manufacturing, so you can't really benchmark product A against product B. Okay. The other thing we have in there are heavy metals like nickel, tin, lead, mm -hmm. 
And we also have VOCs, which, of course, even if you go to the paint store, it'll all say low VOCs, no VOCs. So things like benzene, all of these products are in an e-cigarette. So for those individuals, and even in my, in my own profession or in the medical profession who look upon this as what they call harm reduction, mm-hmm. not for me, not for right. me. Yeah. There's just, the, the jury is out. There right. just has not been enough study on what is in these products. Mm-hmm. And then there's a kind of a fourth dimension, which is the battery. They all work off a battery. That's right. So some will charge literally in a computer, like the Juul, mm-hmm. and then others come with a proprietary type of charging system, and that's where we get into problems. Because I don't know how many phone chargers you've bought in your lifetime, but I've bought a lot of them. Right. So what happens is when people start charging these batteries with non-proprietary chargers, just because it fits, what happens is they mess with how the battery operates, and there have been horrific explosions of these batteries. I've heard of that, actually. A friend of mine, her brother, was in the hospital in Tampa, and it was all over the news because of an e-cigarette. and It, it had exploded. It exploded in his mouth. Yes. And so he had to have, yes, surgery. It was very, very scary to see that. Um, it, they explode also in people's pockets yeah. because what happens is they put them in there with change and it starts rubbing against the battery and creates a spark. And I've seen videos of lots of convenience stores where um, people have had them literally explode in their pocket and burn their legs. So, you know, there's a, again, that's why I called it the, I call it the Wild West because when you're using products that are, so unregulated and so really not studied. You know, the first e-cigarette was developed in China. It was developed by a Chinese pharmacist whose father died of lung cancer, but he himself was still a smoker. And he wanted to figure out, well, how can I still smoke, but maybe not have combustibles because the combustibles create 7,000 chemicals that will kill me. So what happened was he developed the e-cigarette in China in 2006. So that's very recent. That's extremely recent for that to, to have become so widespread now. Right. This has been so informative. I, I was sharing before our podcast, I have a 17-year-old high school student. Uh, he gets asked regularly um, if he wants to try the e-cigarette. And so I plan on sharing this podcast with him because there's such a lack of information uh, and understanding, I think, especially for the youth and this guided representation of this product. So we appreciate your expertise on this. So as a preview to our conversation next week, can you talk to us a little bit about what are some of the implications when it comes to dental hygiene as it relates to using nicotine, tobacco products, etc.? So, um, of course, we know that with conventional cigarettes, um, Nicotine is a precursor for uh, periodontal or gum disease, 
part of why that happens is because nicotine is a known vasoconstrictor. And uh, when I was an instructor in a hygiene program, I would often have my students bring parents in, and they would say, oh, my, my mother's gums look so good, and she's a smoker. And the reason they looked good was because what happens is the heat and the, and the nicotine actually causes the gums to almost look white to pink. And the reason is that there actually is decreased blood flow. So a smoker often will not have bleeding gums, but will have gum disease. So it's a kind of a fooler. It's, it's very interesting, yeah. And to the untrained eye, it doesn't look that bad. Um, in 2018, UC San Diego did a study on the effects of aerosols in, in e-cigarettes in a 10 milligram vape pen. So that, to give you some perspective, uh, a joule is 20 milligrams. And what they found was it was equal to what was happening after people were using high sucrose drinks, gel candy, acidic drinks. So it was actually increasing the amount of bacteria in their mouth leading to cavities and gum disease. So it actually, it does change the the biosphere in the mouth because think about it i mean you're putting chemicals in there and there is a certain amount of heat as well um the propylene glycol which is what creates that cloud um also causes a lot of dry mouth and dry mouth or what we call xerostomia in the profession is a huge problem in dentistry today because there are literally thousands of drugs that create that and one of the drugs or drug products that can create is propylene glycol. So people who, you, you, you know, when you're out and about, I see people vaping in their cars a lot. And you will see them almost incessantly puffing on it. So the more you puff on it, the more you're drying your mouth out. Dry mouth will lead to some very, very serious decay problems. Very serious. Wow. I had no idea. Yes. And... Again, another thing it'll cause is just irritation because your mouth is not meant to be irritated by whatever products. And again, like I said, some of the flavoring agents um, are highly acidic. The more acid your, your mouth is, the more problems you have. You want to maintain a seven. Okay. And some of these, because you know the acid to base goes from zero to 14, and you want to be somewhere between six and seven is good. Um, most of these are dropping you way down into the threes and the twos. So it's, it's making it really, really acidic. Um, Again, the vasoconstriction causing the gum disease um, kind of masking. Um, increased um, grinding. I found that interesting when I was kind of looking at specific for dental. And the reason that's happening is, remember when I talked earlier about these synapses in the brain? Well, apparently these synapses also cause muscles in the mouth to misfire as well. So you may not even realize that you're grinding because your brain is doing things that you're not controlling. Um, as far as implants, so implants are as, as hot a topic in dentistry as e-cigarettes as e are in smoking. And um, we know that smoking has always been a contraindication for implant healing. Um, but now we're finding that even vaping 
isn't contraindication. Because again, once you put an implant in, you want to have good blood supply to get good healing, Mm -hmm. and that's being impaired. And then finally, um, if you were to need an extraction, there's something called a dry socket, which is where you don't form a nice clot over the um, area that's supposed to be healing. And we know that when you inhale, you can loosen that clot, and also nicotine will dissolve that clot. So we know that there's a lot more dry sockets, um, which is very, very painful um, after extractions. So that's a that's a lot of just dental implications. Right, and let alone, I mean, that's what we know about, let alone... What we don't know. Right, the unknown. The unknown, the unknown. Wow, this has been such an interesting topic. Um, Sherry, again, we want to thank you so much for being part of this podcast on tobacco and e-cigarettes and... Um, certainly listeners, if you would like to hear more from Sherry, we'll be sure to, to provide her contact information and where you can find her if you'd like to invite her out to your workplace. Um, she's available to do tobacco cessation, lunch and learns, pre- guest presentations. Um, so as you've heard today, she has a wealth of experience and knowledge in this background. And for any of our listeners out there who might be a tobacco user, nicotine user, definitely want to reach out to Sherry to get more information from her. So we'll be sure to um, provide that in our podcast on our website and give you more details. Thank you. So now it's time to break down the truths and misconceptions. Raquel, what are the truths we learned from this? The truth we learned today is nicotine is in fact the most addictive chemical known to man. The other truth is the use of e-cigarettes can lead to serious oral health problems. Okay, and what are the misconceptions we learned from this? Two misconceptions we learned today are the idea that e-cigarettes are a safe alternative as a tobacco cessation product, when in fact there is no scientific evidence that e-cigarettes are an effective cessation tool outside of just anecdotal remarks that we hear. And the second misconception we learned today is that e-cigarettes are are a healthy alternative to tobacco and that they do not contain nicotine. Both of those are not true. They are not a healthy alternative. As we heard from Sherry today, they have a lot of chemicals in them and they cause a lot of health effects. And they do have nicotine in them. And the scary part around that is because they're not regulated, in most instances, we don't in fact know how much nicotine we we are receiving um, when we use them. See you next time. Nothing we say in this podcast is representative of any specific plan and should not be construed as legal, regulatory, or accounting advice. If there is any discrepancy between what we say and your plan document, your plan document will always prevail.